Yo. Yo. Welcome to another episode of Crunch the Caviar. It's going to be a very special episode today. It's been a minute, yes, fellas. Sir, we're back. back. Feel good. Feels good. Back in action. We got a very special guest today. Very, very special oh. guest. Uh, but yeah. before we get into our special guest, we're going to kick it over to Ant. He's going to give out the salutes. Okay. Uh, you know you know me. I got to give my salute to the, just the crypto world in general. Crypto has really blessed me. And uh, it's going to bless a lot of families to come. So uh, big, big salute to Bitcoin. Big salute to uh, Ethereum. Um, big salute to Ethereum. Big, big, big salute to Ethereum. We just get started. Even Ripple. And to all you, you know, you Dogecoin investors, you know, hey. big salute to y'all. I know y'all came up. Get your money. Get your <laughs> money. How you, big get big salute you if you came right. up, get for real. Get it how you live. Get it how you live. Yeah. No um, hate, no shade. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> you know, we want to give a salute to Base Hit. Base Hit Barbecue. This is our, our venue. This is where we cooking up at. Our know? sponsor. So, um, official sponsor of Crumbs the Caviar. We appreciate yeah. Base Hit. Yeah. Best yes. barbecue in Chicago. Yep. Yeah. Appreciate that. You know, I try not to say it myself. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all in Chicago area, you. make sure you tap in the base hit, man. Facts. Facts. And then uh, that's it, bro. That's Appreciate that, my brother. All right. So let's get into it. Get right into it. Our very special guest today, Miss Lakeisha Hightower. How are you? Hey, in the building. How you doing? In the building. Looking lovely. Thank Appreciate you, Appreciate you coming out. How's everything with you? It's going well. It's going good. I'm glad things are starting to open back up yeah. um, so I can get to my life and come outside and, you know. Live your best thing. life, all exactly. right? All righty. <laughs> exactly. Understand that. Okay. So for those, <clears throat> for people who don't know who you are or much about you, why don't you uh, tell us about yourself, you know, your upbringing, where you're from, so forth. Um, I'm from Chicago, the west side of Chicago. Okay. I have um, two babies, and they hate for me to call them my babies, but they, they don't gonna understand. Always, gonna always be Regardless of how old they get, they still my babies. Um, okay. I'm currently employed with Wintrust Mortgage as the assistant VP there. Um, I, I oversee our underwriting department, and I'm pretty sure you would get, you know, more details of what that means. Absolutely. That's, and just do my little crafts and hair on the side, so that's just my life. Just deal with my family, my business, and that's it. Absolutely. Love do it. Love yeah. it. So tell us, uh, you know, a little bit about how you grew up in Chicago, you know, what, what high school did you go to, and, you know, your experiences with that. Well, <clears throat> I grew up on the west side of Chicago uh, on Erie by uh, Chicago Avenue. I went to Nash Elementary School and Escobedo on Cicero, and also I graduated from Austin High School. Okay. Um, you know, I know Austin has a bad name, but <laughs> I, those were my fun times <laughs> at that school. <laughs> um, from there, after graduating from Austin, I left and went to uh, Northern Illinois University. So, um, and you only been there, I end up had, had to leave because I had my little crumb. You know. <laughs> but I went back to school, finished everything, and straight from college, I got into the mortgage industry. Um, so 
we lived on the west side of Chicago on Erie, then around 13, I grew up over on the Division of Mason, so yeah. Okay. Our west finest. Out west, west, not south west. at all. Yeah. <laughs> and now that's what I we. Right. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. Alrighty. <laughs> I'm a west side girl. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, y'all. Yeah. We won't. Like we won't judge you. You know. It's, it's okay. We won't judge. So real quick, in the, in the Austin neighborhood, back then I heard like, wasn't it predominantly white? At first, and then they, Eventually. what they call it, like white flight, as soon as like. Mm-hmm. Well, to be honest with you, when I first started Austin, is when, like, two years after I started Austin, it was mostly white mm. okay. that was at that school. Austin right. was predominantly white school. I mean, you had a small percentage that went there, and it puts me in the mind of, um, was it Lean On Me? You know uh-huh. how it was like mostly Caucasians, and then how it just switched over right. once some principals left and things like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. even yeah. in the neighborhoods on Mason, when we moved on Mason and Division, when I was about thirteen, I don't even think I was that old. It was mostly Caucasian people on that block, wow. and then eventually it transitioned over to a lot of African Americans moved in. Um, it goes. I think it goes through the cycle, just like right. life does. Mm-hmm. You have the Caucasians, and then you have the African Americans. Like right now, it's mostly Hispanics right. moving over in that area. So it goes through that cycle. But hey, you know, it's it's a mixture. You know, I think in the future, the Austin area is going to go back to the Caucasian area right. because that's what was mostly out there and at that time and I think that's why a lot of people are trying to get back to the Austin area. Right. Yeah. Okay. They say life is full circle for yeah. sure. Okay. So how did you uh, get into the real estate industry? Was there something that, you know, made you want to get into it or was it just an opportunity that popped up? Tell us about that. Well, I went to school for um, business management. Okay. I love math. I was uh, for my financing degree and things like that. But after I had my son, um, I went to to um, transfer my credits from Northern to uh, Robert Morris College. So there, once I finished school, you know how they have the, the um, what do you call it, the recruiting center? Like they help right. you yep. find jobs. Career center. School. Stuff. Right, yeah, right. Career center. So yeah. one of the recruiters there, she took to me, and um, even though it was her job to help me find a job, but she really stayed on me, and she's the one told me you need to get into the mortgage industry because it's an ongoing, you know, position. It's just like having a um, a, sem- a funeral home. It'll mm-hmm. never go away. That's what right. she used to tell me. Right, and yep. she was like, and since you like numbers, I think this would be best for you. So I started at LaSalle Bank over here at Six Corners. And at that time, that's when you were able to smoke cigarettes and everything in the office. I ain't mm, trying to tell my age, oh, but. Wow. Like at your, at your no, desk? At your desk. Wow. Hold on. You were able to smoke cigarettes. Not inside yeah. the banking because at LaSalle Bank you had the bank downstairs where people go bank at mm-hmm. and then upstairs where is where uh, the mortgage, the customer service and then you know that department was at. Mm-hmm. 
So it was open upstairs, and that's what we did, the mortgages and the real estate. And at that time, State Farm Insurance, they have, people don't know, but an insurance company has a, a mortgage division as well. Right. Mm. So I didn't we know that. took yeah. care of State Farm mortgages that came over, and we had one side that were the underwriters, and at that time, it was nothing but men that were right. underwriters. It yep. was... The mortgage industry at that time was nothing but the, a man's world, For right? Sure, right? So wait, hold on. I got to back you up one quick second. Mm-hmm. So State Farm would act as like a third party and send you mortgage right. applications mm-hmm. that they had solicited. Correct. Oh, okay. oh, wow. So they was like, okay. they were like the brokers. And they right. would send us right. the right. business, the sale okay. bank, the okay. business. So we took care of their loans when they uh, referred them over to us. So we had a department with the men that underwrote the loans. It was mm-hmm. about, if I remember correctly, it was like three or four people, three or four men. Then you had the uh, customer service department where when people call in for State Farm, when you call them, you either go to the insurance department or you go if you have questions right. about your mortgage. We took care, that's the department I was in. I answered the calls for people who had questions on their mortgage right. payments and things. Then we had our closing department, you know, so it was like different departments that took care of everything there. Um, by me being in the customer service department, I had to learn about mortgages because people have a total different perspective of how the whole process works. You think you just get along, do the application, somebody, a computer or whatever, make the decision, then you go to closing. It's a long process. It's so right. much more to that. So I was intrigued to learn what it was. Right. And I used to look over at the men that was in the corner and he'd be like, what is they doing? You know, <laughs> so it was, I'm that type of person where I need to know what you're doing. Right. Why are you doing it? What part do you hold in this process? But they were so mean because it was always older Caucasian men that sat in that corner. So it was one guy. um, I went to him and I asked him, what do you guys do? He says, we underwrite the loans. And I'm like, what is underwriting? He says, we are the ones that look at your credit, your income, your assets. And we make a decision if we think that you can afford a home. And so um, I'm like, hmm, I want to do that. And he's like, no, only men is able, you know, Mm because it it really wasn't where corporations paid attention to, like. Diversity. diversity. Right. They they really, it was like it was okay back then, right? So I'm like, oh, okay, I can't do it. So did he verbatimly say uh, this is only men or was that the vibe he kind of He said that it would be hard for me to get into it because you don't see too many women being as underwriting. Okay. That's what he said. I'm like, oh, okay. Just uh-huh. said it like matter of fact. Right. right. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, go get back in my place. Right. You know, so. <laughs> go sit down. Stay in the woman's the place. Women, we were mostly the customer service. We was their paper runners, you know, right. as a paper pushers, as I call it. So, it was, it was like, mm, and but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking to myself, when he said that to me, that's what you think. I'm going to get into it. I don't know when, but I'm going to get into it. <laughs> So from there, Bank One bought LaSalle Bank. Mm-hmm. So when they bought LaSalle Bank, I did stay for a little bit. Then I left and I went to household mortgages. And that's okay. when I started to really get into Underwriting. the mortgage industry. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing about it is, 
when I left and went to household, they only had uh, positions for auto collectors, okay. for auto loans. Mm -hmm. And I was in the repo department. And mm -hmm. um, so I would do the orders for repossession. Then I left there and um, they moved me to another department where I did foreclosures. Mm -hmm. okay. And I, I, did, I didn't like that because I had, let me tell y'all one story. Okay. okay. Please. Tell us yeah. story because foreclosures sound like you would be plugged in. Like, <laughs> foreclosures, <laughs> you, you carry that on. If you a caring person, and by me being a single parent at that exactly. time, well, yeah, I've always been a single, but by me being a single parent, it carried on my heart right. because right. it's exactly. hard to be a single parent and care for kids. One, two, three, I don't care what it is because right. you have to make sure you good. You have to make sure your kids good and you have other responsibilities. Your kids responsible, your response, you know, you carry right. everything on your shoulder, right? So it was one particular time I had an account. This lady, she was in California. We've been trying to get in touch with her for a very long time. Finally got in touch with her, and I told her, I says, listen, um, you are, because you could go through foreclosure, like, after 90 days right. if the lender wow. is okay with it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what they call the pre-foreclosure status. Right. So I told her, I says, your mortgage is in pre-foreclosure, you know, you're going on four months behind, and listen. California, when you are a month behind, that's a lot because right. they mortgage is two, three thousand dollars, right? right? Facts. So I told her, says, and you owe this. I think she had owed like over twenty some thousand dollars to get oh, her wow. account Ooh, up today. Mm. And she says, ma'am, I, I don't. I hate to bring you into my personal life. She says, but my husband left two months ago. Left me two months ago. He's the one that took care of all the finances. Gotcha. She says, I didn't even know why mortgage company, who our mortgage company was with. I didn't even know the bank account, you know, where where the money go goes to and things like that. She says, and I'm a stay home mom. Um, we got married straight out of I got married to him straight out of high school. We never had a job. She wow. was like, I'm trying to do what I can. You know, my family is helping me out. She says, but that's for necessities, you know, food and things like that. She's like, I, there's no way I can catch up on this mortgage. Right. So I told her, I says, well, you know your name on the mortgage, right? How you didn't know who was right. the mortgage company. Right. She's like, well, my husband, he just told me I had to sign some finance paperwork. I didn't think of it as nothing because you're not thinking my husband might leave me one day, right? Mm -hmm. right. So I went to my boss and I'm like, listen. That's because we had programs that we could have gave her another year, you know, because right. you just don't go straight into foreclosure. You know, you work yourself. You have to go to court, figure it out, da 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 And I told him, I says, well, can we get her in some type of program to help her out, you know, skip a couple months or something like that? Because she only, you know, four months behind. Mm -hmm. And when a lender determines if they want to foreclose on your property, they look at the value of their property. Would it be valuable to us yep. as a gotcha. You know what I mean? So he looking at it's in California. Um, the house was has some equity in it. So he was thirsty. He was they he was, was like, thirsty. we need this money. He you saw know? blood, he um, saw blood in the water. He, we uh -huh. would make some money off this house because we could resell this house for a lot more. And he looked at me, he says, No. I says, Did you just hear what I said about her? He was like, We don't have anything to do with that. Mm, he mm. says, I'm going to put, put the paperwork through so I can sign it so we can foreclose on Cut our house. Through. And back then, yeah. they have more laws in place right now where you cannot do it. So 
I had to write off a letter to send the sheriffs out within the next 45 days for them to make her leave. And he says, tell her she has 30 days. If she don't pay up, That's we're sending right the sheriff there. out. That's so tough. And you know, that was so mm. hard for me to call a single mom that had three kids right. to tell her that she's about to be put out her home. And then she really didn't have a relationship with her immediate family because they didn't like her husband. They stopped talking to her. Right. So she was distanced. Her family right. wasn't even in Chicago. So she was distanced from them. And it, it was hard for me to call this lady and say, hey, we putting you out if you don't pay over 30 something right. thousand dollars. And at that point, that's when I decided, this not for me. I want to go the other route. I want to be the one to help people get into a mortgage. I don't want to be putting people out of right. their home. So that's what made me decide what I wanted to do. So I went to my boss at household. I'm like, mm, I don't want to do this no more. Mm -hmm. So they put me in title research because Cook County, I don't know if you guys ever heard of that, but they call Cook County Crook. Crook County. Crook County. I've never heard of it. <laughs> that is such a never. Really. It would never would have crossed my mind. Crook County? <laughs> never. Yeah. Really? So they call Cook County Crook County and People ask me, why do they call it that? Because Cook County takes forever to record your mortgage, your title. Um, you can pay your title. You can pay your mortgage off. I guarantee you, you better double check to make sure they cleared your title. Mm -hmm. Because people's mortgages have been paid off for years, and Cook County still haven't recorded their title as being paid off. Meaning wow. removing the lender from their wow. title, you know. Yeah. And if you don't ever try to refinance your property, you would know. You know what I mean? So it's a lot of things people don't know what's going on with their title because Cook County is behind with sending out this information to people. <clears throat> so that's why a lot of companies have title researchers, especially right. for Cook County. So if you refinance your loan with us and we show that your current mortgage is his household, but your title company is still showing Chase Bank, we have to do a chain of title. So we have to do the research, show that uh, household paid off Chase. Mm -hmm. Then we have to re-record your, your title to show that household now owns the mortgage. So that's what title researchers does. So, so can I we, did can that we... for a little bit, and one of the mm -hmm. ladies came to me. She was like, hey, I know you like numbers. You want to get into underwriting? Like, I heard of that because this years have went back right. from me working right. at LaSalle Bank. And I said, I thought that was only me. And she says, girl, you can do it if you want to do it. So I told her, I said, yeah, I want to do it. So I went through boot camp at household, start underwriting. Once I really got the experience, uh, at this time, Bank One sold their bank to Bank of America. Yep. Okay. So Bank of America is, uh, is mm -hmm. actually LaSalle Bank. It started out as LaSalle Bank. Hmm. So Bank One sold to Bank of America. And that's when they call all the original people from Bank of America to come in. And they called me, and that's how I got into underwriting at Bank of America. And was there for, like, 10 years. Wow. And I never went through the chain of, because when you're an underwriter, you have to go through a closer. You go through the steps first. Right. And you actually promote it into underwriting. I never went through those steps. I jumped straight you went straight in. Writing. Yeah. Because I was that type of person always was curious. Like, I want to learn how to do that. I want to learn how to do that. So they don't force you 
into doing anything but if you come to them and show them that you want to learn other products and things like that you have people that be like okay well because in the mortgage industry in order for you to get your license your certifications people have to spawn that company has to sponsor, sponsor. you yeah. So you just can't go in and call a school and be like, I, I want to underwrite FHA loans. No, a company has to sponsor you yeah. to underwrite those loans. So I just, God bless me to put the right people in my path to help me grow. Because every uh, step that I made in the mortgage industry, it was because someone seen something in me and they sponsored me. And I moved up. Gotcha. That's it. That's, that's so right, important, that's man. That's right there. Yeah. Even outside of the real estate, just the power of people. Mm-hmm. Having the right people see something in you. and But you wanting to learn, you wanting to be better as well. Right. And you know, my mom always says, closed mouths don't get fed. Oh, my goodness. You Definitely. can sit back and be like, man, I want to do this. I want to do this. But if you don't speak up, how will people know? That's exactly. You know, and I have, I've had people say to me my you know my employees come to me and say you always looked over me you didn't never you know allow me to do this project that mm-hmm. project and i would ask them well how did i supposed to know because you <laughs> never spoke up because i never say okay you do this you do that i would say hey we have this project going on fact, no. who wants to volunteer you never spoke up but no. they wanted me to say i want you to do that i'm not going to push no one into doing anything because that probably probably something you don't want to do you know so those mouths don't get fed and my whole department know my saying if you don't tell me how do i suppose to know i don't read minds that's 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 a a life lesson that's a life life lesson lesson right there that's that's pure wisdom that boy be asked for it you got some of this you got some of that you know how to do this (laughs) <laughs> no. Look, no. I can tell you all some sayings from that one that you be like, wow. I'm about to, I'm about to start asking for everything. <laughs> like, Got to. But to it ain't up. even. It's not even just asking for things and things you want. It's even in like, uh, like something you don't agree with, and you kind of yeah, keep your mouth up. closed, and it continues going. That's a and fact. And then next thing you know, it blows yeah. up in your face. Exactly. So like, I've learned to just be quick. Like, yo, I don't rock with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll let you know straight up. Yeah. But see, sometimes like, it also, with you doing that, mm-hmm. it could be a backfire as well, mm-hmm. depending on where you speaking up. Like, in personal life, yeah, speak up. Well, I think you should speak up regardless. Mm-hmm. But this is what my, 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 it's so complicated to me. And sometimes I have to, you have to learn, especially in leadership, you have to learn when to speak and when not to speak. Right. right. So with me being in leadership and I don't say manager because I think being a manager and a leader is totally different to me. Oh, my goodness. Um, Preach. (laughs) 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 It is totally different. You know, it's, it's about your character, your mindset. So anyone, you don't have to have that title to be that leader. You know what I mean? So that's why I look at that as being different. So as a leader, you have to know when to speak and when not to speak. And with me being a female in a known man's world, and as me, as I am African-American in a Caucasian world, sometimes I have to either, one, speak up, say my piece, because they will run over you, or two, like, I'm not going to say nothing right now, but I'm going to make a mental note 
that I'm going to say something so, you know, because if you don't speak up for yourself, who will? Right, you know, sure. so if yeah. you feel like they are being biased against you because of your race or because of your gender, speak up. You know, if it's going to affect your growth, speak up. But if it's going to just be a venting match, don't say anything. Because right. at the end of the day, as a leader, you're going to do what you want to do anyway. Because mm-hmm. you already know how to get it done. Mm-hmm. And every leader has to make a decision on a certain degree. Right. So, like, you have the executives. They have to make a decision on a 360 degree. Um, the VPs, they have to make a decision on a 180, 90 degree. Mm-hmm. Me, little AVP, I have to make a decision on a 120 degree. My team leads have to make a decision on a 90 degree, I right? You, right. You, you feel me? So I make a decision for my team. So that's my one, that's my 120 degree. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. care about no processing, no closing, this is for my group. But my boss, who is the VP of underwriting, the national underwriting, he has to make a decision for every state, for everybody. His boss, who is the executive, he has to make a decision for the whole company. You get what I'm saying? So some decision he made might affect me. So, okay, that's going to affect me, but what can I do to get around it to make my people comfortable but still give you what you want? That's what a leader is. A manager is, he said, you know, no, I ain't gonna he said. Sometimes you have to go around to get the job done, but at the same time, cover your people. That's a leader. So that's just, you know, and sometimes it's hard. That's why I say you have to, yeah, you're supposed to speak up, but it's about, is that the perfect time right. to speak so up? So in, in your experience, how do you think you developed yourself as a leader? Was it like books? Was it audios? Did you go to like certain conferences, podcasts? Was it just straight up uh, prayer? Oh, wow. Prayer, and because okay. of prayer, God put the right people in my path mm. to teach me, to speak to me what he wants me to hear. Right. Now, was there anyone that, that came across your path that left like a, a, a standing or lasting impact on you that you just oh, kind of... yeah. Yeah? Who, who would one, you say? Good and bad. Okay. One... Um, well, I say the past as me getting into the mortgage industry. Mm-hmm. They were my push person. His name was Will Yoho. He was an originator over at this other company. He ran a branch over there. Um, I was already underwriting, and I wanted to switch up, and uh, I went into originations. When you originate mortgage loans, you have to be licensed with the state of Illinois. And the state of Illinois test is so complicated mm. because uh, you know what you're doing, but when they they turn the words around, and <laughs> you know, you're like, what are you talking about? You know, so make a long so I failed the Illinois State Board test twice. Mm, and wow. I'm like, how in the world am I a underwriter that knows the guidelines in my sleep? How do I fail this? And he told me, he says, you need to take the underwriting head off and answer those questions as you are a sales rep. Mm-hmm. And so when I took that, um, I passed. So once I passed, I became an originator for reverse mortgages. Um, and he would tell me, I want you to do more, but you being content. 
because mm. you're afraid. You need to remove that afraid box and move forward. And he says, I think you have good management skills. But instead of you being a manager, he says, because when I say you have good management skills, but you also are a leader, is because I don't have to come tell you what to do. You right. see what needs to be done, you just do it. You know, you're going out there, you're hitting the streets, you're calling me, you're asking the questions, you're not afraid to ask that question. So he told me, he says, but I'm going to tell you, when you become a leader, always remember your team is your heir to keep you on top. Mm-hmm. And I used to be like, Will, what do you, shouldn't I be the heir to keep them on top? And he right. was like, no. When I say your team is your heir to keep you on top, meaning if you don't be there for your team and help them grow and show them that they could trust you and you are there for them, they not going to go over and beyond for you. Right. So if they if they trust you and you become part of them, don't throw that title out there. I'm your manager. Do what I say do. You come across them as you are part of them. Right. And because you're showing them that you are part of them, you're showing them that they can respect you. You're showing them that they got you have your back, I have your back. So once they feel that way as a whole, they're going to do whatever you need them to do to stay on top. And you're going to look good because they don't mind bending over for you because they know you're going to bend over right. for them. So I don't, yeah. I never went to my team and said, I need you to do this because I'm your manager. Right. I always ask if it's possible that they can do it. If you cannot, I will go on my team pipeline and just, i help you out. I'll, you right. know, underwrite along. And so it's times where I have called one of my underwriters and like, hey, this borrower is at the table. I need you to re-unwrite this loan for me because I'm doing this. Do you mind signing back on? Oh, no problem. That's because they know I would do the same for them. Right, so sure. with him telling me that, I live by that in leadership. Gotcha. You have to you have to be good to your team to so for them to keep you on top. Right. They are your heir, you yeah. know. So I, I even like the terms you game right like there. leadership, my team. There's a lot of people who just be like, you know, my employees, my workers. No, and to me, that team. always comes off wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're a team. We do this together. So, like, I, I like so the power important. strike. Like she says, she can't tell people, oh, do this for me because right. I'm your your right. manager or I'm your right. boss. Because people are not going, they're going to lose respect for you. I don't let them and run then, over me now, but and still. Then, right. And then they don't even do it right. They kind of just be like... Like, I'm gonna just, let me just get this out the way. It's done with a different quick, energy. You know? Right. It's done yeah. like, they all right. They want to yeah. they all into it. It's not because of the project or what you're telling them to do. It's to make you right. good. Right. They want to make sure when whoever comes to you is good. They, right. they want to show you as being, you know, they, they want you to shine. You know what I mean? So exactly. that's why I say your team is your heir on top and that's like one that. thing that's, yeah. that I always have carried with me and the that's crazy real. thing about it I, Andre 28 I worked with Will Yoho over 22 years ago mm, right wow. when I started with Winter we had lost in con- contact with each other because if I would come into a situation I would call him Will what do you how do you think I should handle it? Yeah. I went back and got into because I love the company because I'm like you know well, I don't want to originate no more. I want to get back into underwriting. Right. And even when Bank of America 
asked me to be a manager, they was promoting me, I really was afraid. It was that I didn't want to do it. I mean, thank you, but man, that's a big company. That's right, a huge right. responsibility. They, I, I was going to have like 18 underwriters under me, you know, so it used to, it used to really be uh, effective. So, I used to just really worry about what they would do if they, um, if they put me in that position, would I fail? You know, what would happen? Mm -hmm. So then I called, I would call Will, ask him, how should I do this? Do you think I could, you know, handle this situation and things like that? And I lost contact with him. Oh, wow. I started at Wintrust and I started at Wintrust in 2018. Mm -hmm. I'm going through all the managing lists and I, I'm like, Will, yo ho, I know this not the same person. Mm -hmm. Gotta be with that. Uh, like, I know uh, this not the same. <laughs> so I emailed him and I said, "Hey, this is Lakeisha Hightower. You know me as Lakeisha Cooper because that was my maiden name." I was like, "Is this Will Yo Ho that worked at blah blah blah?" And he emailed me back and he was like, "Oh my goodness!" I said, "What?" He was like, "He called." No, he called. He said, "Keisha." <laughs> Because my it's little Keisha, but they everybody called me Keisha. I right. said, yeah. He was like, my Keisha? I said, yeah. <laughs> he says, you work for Wintrust? I says, yes. <laughs> and he says, where are you sitting? And I told him where my office was at. He was like, I'm on my way over there because I have to see if this is the same person. <laughs> and when he walked in my office... I just started crying. I jumped up. I hugged. Wow. <laughs> That's wow. Because it was like over 20 years. Right. My, my mentor, I lost contact. Wow. I was trying to find this man, and I right. couldn't find him. Full circle. And got, yep, full circle. Go to Wintrust. There he go. That was just Can't make so that kind of stuff up. Yeah. You can't make that kind of stuff up. <laughs> that was just That's so... That's, I just want to stay in. That's a blessing yeah. right there. Yes. Now, right. I still contact them now. <laughs> okay. Wow. So, tell us, uh, you know, a little bit, for those who don't know about, like, the home buying process, you know, what do they need to do, what steps they need to take, and some things that most people may not know about the process and so forth. Well, the process, some people, what they do is they go straight to their realtor, right? Mm -hmm and tell them I want to buy a house. The realtor do have contacts with other loan officers or, or other banks before realtors will spend their time and help you go locate a house, right? Now they have stopped doing that. Now they're not going to even put that time in until you have a pre-approval pre letter from the lender. Right. So they will send you to whoever they connected with or things like that. Um, now, a lot of people there's a difference in the process. You have your banks, you have your mortgage companies, and you have your broker companies. Those are three different types of lenders. What's the differences between the three, briefly? A bank is a bank. You go, you walk into Bank of America, Chase, you speak with a branch manager there, you let them know you want to get a mortgage or what have you. A bank is more of an A paper sometimes, and which, what I mean by A paper, they require you to have a higher score. Gotcha. FICO score. Like they want you to have a 650, uh, 700, depending on which lender you go to. Right. Mm -hmm. um, a mortgage company, oh, let me back up. A bank will have a lot of overlays. 
overlays are you have your agency guidelines, then you have your overlays that banks put on top of gotcha. the guidelines, okay? Mm -hmm. So then you have your mortgage companies. Your mortgage companies, they have a lower FICO um, requirement, and um, they might have some overlays, but not as much. So it's not as tedious as mm -hmm. going to a bank. Um, now, a mortgage company, you cannot, they they not a building bank where you can right. just walk in. You know what I mean? Gotcha. <laughs> Those are like Quicken Loans and Freedom Mortgage and things right. like that. You will have to Google them or whatever, mm -hmm. or the realtor would refer you to that company. Then you have your broker companies. Your brokers, they are, um, they not a bank, they not a mortgage company. They are the third parties to connect you to a mortgage right. company or a bank. Those are the three differences, right? Okay. And a, a broker, they don't set your rates. They don't set yep. the FICO requirements. So I could be a broker right now. They just shop and, around. Right, shop and around. they yeah. just shop around yeah. for you gotcha. instead of you doing the work. You tell them what you want, and they right. go find and it. Right, and they're going to like, right. okay, you only have a day for your credit. They do everything. You have a 580 score. Let me find a lender that will accept a 580 score. So that's what the broker does. And the mortgage company and the lenders pays the brokers a percentage to bring right. the business to them, right? right? So those are the three different things. Now, once you go to one of those, your loan, you connect with your loan officer, your loan officer, you tell your loan officer what type of loan mortgage you want, if you want a multi-unit, if you want investment property, if you want a single family, which area you want. What's, so then some loan officers just write it up. If you say, I want to buy a house and um, somewhere that is very expensive, but some loan officers probably just write it up that way. But most loan officers, the loan officers will first pull your credit and see what you will qualify for. for sure. So once they see what loan amount you qualify for, they'll write up a pre-approval. You go back to your realtor, and the realtor will work with you with finding a home within that under the amount that the loan officer told you. So once you find a house, you do a contract with the seller. Everything goes back to the loan officer. Um, the loan officer will put the file together, get your income documents, your assets documents. That's when they send it over to their processing group. They processors look at everything, make sure everything is intact, um, upload it in the system, um, make sure your loan amount, your fields, your data entry, everything is mm -hmm. correct. Once everything is input in the system and your appraisals is ordered, your title is ordered, everything is ordered, that's when it goes over to the underwriter. The underwriter takes everything that the loan officer and the processor put in the system, right? And we have to take all those documents and make a decision if you are suitable to get a home. Now we do have resources to help us make that decision. Those are called your AUS system. You got the DU, that's Fannie system, and then you had an LP, that's Freddie system. So Shout out only, to Freddie. So only thing they look at is the terms of what you input it. So they going to look at what your LTV is, what your rate is, your debt LTV? to income, your loan to value, to value uh -huh. your debt to income ratio, okay. um, and your AUS system would say with those terms, and they have they have um, fifty thousand dollars in the bank. They only need ten thousand dollars to close. They have not maxed out their loan to value. So what I mean by that is, if your loan to value is supposed to be 
the max loan to value is 90%, but because of the larger amount you're putting down, your loan to value is 80%. So that's a plus. So what exactly agents. is loan to value? Just to explain. So, so it's basically just your down payment, right? So yeah. like if you putting 20% down, mm-hmm. your loan to value is... What, 80, 80 to 80 20 right, right. so you put 10 percent down loan value is 90 10 or right. 10. So, so your loan to value always starts off at 100 percent right and what that is 100 percent is um your sales price if your sales price is two hundred thousand, your yep. value come in at two hundred thousand. that's 100 percent yeah so you have to put down so, um 10 yeah. 20 and if you put 10 down that means your lt your loan to value is 90 percent gotcha so how okay. they calculate that is they take what you put down minus the sales price. Mm-hmm. So if you owe two fifty, you might and you put ten thousand dollars down. That's two forty, right? Yeah, right. So two forty yeah. divided by your value that is your loan to value. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's how we come now, up with your percentage. Now I did want to bring it back because you, you mentioned the three different types. The uh, yeah, I want to get back to that too. I mean the mortgage companies, the banks, the banks and, and the brokers, then, and then the brokers. Now, which one would you recommend someone to go to? Like, if they were going, would you recommend them just go directly to a mortgage company, like Quicken Loans, go to their bank, maybe because, maybe a, um, uh, what are they called, credit union or whatnot, you know, or go to a broker? To be honest with you, it depends on the situation, their particular situation. Most minorities Mm -hmm. don't go to the bank. Yeah, and the right. reason why is banking banks is more tedious, stricter with their so guidelines. Strict. So right? strict. So the thing is, they say minorities cannot afford the banking policy right. to get a mortgage. So me personally, um, I think people should go to the mortgage company, even though a bank could give you a lower score. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lower, lower interest rate, rate. Right. than a mortgage company or a broker company, right? right? But right now, mortgage companies, I won't go to a rinky-dinky mortgage company. Mm-hmm. Like Wintrust, we're not as levels of the banking world. Right. Wintrust is a bank, but we are considered a mortgage company because oh, wow. the Federal Reserves looks at it as you have to fund so many loans. You mm-hmm. know, like you have your dollar amount has to be in a certain bracket to be neck to neck with Bank of America or Chase. Gotcha, you know what I'm saying? So we are like a step down from Bank of America and Chase, but we still a bank, but we are a mortgage company. You know, we just yeah, a regular mortgage company. Right. You're not getting a loan through the bank. Um, now, Wintrust Financial is the bank because their revenue is up there. Right. To be considered a bank in the banking level, I don't know what word to put it at, but as a banking level. Gotcha. So, and Bank Wintrust Financial backs up Wintrust Mortgage, two different right. entities. We are okay. under Wintrust Financial. So, me personally, I think a person would be better off with going through a regular mortgage company, um, like Quicken Loans, Freedom Mortgage. Um, Wintrust Mortgage. Wintrust Mortgage, Mr. Cooper, you know, right. it's those different banks. And the reason why I say that is because they, they are more lenient with okay. the credit. Um, but they still can meet up with the rates that right. a bank can. Um, they do have some overlays, but not as many overlays as a bank does. So if you're willing to deal, 
you know what? The bottom line, you get what you pay for. Right. Exactly. Now, okay. I'm just going to put it like right. that. You okay. get what exactly. you pay for because some people is more conservative. Like, I don't want to be involved. I just want to get it done go through a bank because a bank is more professional. They're going to get it done. They have better orders going on. Right. You, if your closing date, which is your contingency date, is June 1st, you're going to get to that close and take home June 1st. Mm. The mortgage company, mm, probably not. A broker <laughs> don't have any control. Right. So it's just... Honestly, if you have a 700 score, go to your bank because you could probably get some closing costs cut down because you bank with them like a credit union. You probably could get some fees cut down for your closing costs if you go to a bank. So now... I'm sorry, if, you know. I'm go- y'all got right questions, you. you let me know. But <laughs> you know, I, I like to ask, especially when you're in real estate. So I, I do want to bring it. <laughs> what you say? What you say, Gilbert? <laughs> <laughs> nah, um, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but no, um, I want to bring it back um, um, because you were talking about the um, mortgage process, how mm-hmm. it goes through underwriting and you you said you all use a uh, an automated system right uh mm-hmm. aws uh, du something like that aus yeah aus so if that system says no this person does not qualify do you automatically just reject that person or do you still have the power to say well that's just a minor slip mm-hmm. up here like okay. you know right we can so push through that that that's where the difference come in with your bank and mortgage and brokers right right so banks if that aus your du um or your lp does not have an approved eligible that's how we know you qualify they not going to do it um they might have a department like bank of america has a specialty fulfillment department Mm -hmm. for those type of loans um, but it does if your AUS comes back as approved and eligible, that means it's not a good loan. That's when the underwriters will uh, underwrite the loan as a refer. So what's what a refer is is getting more depth into your documents, into your credit file. So like for an example, um, technically, as an under as um, most loans, we only look at what you have done within the last 12 months, mm-hmm. you, you know, your right. credit history within the last 12 months. But if it's a refer, now we're going to look at your credit history within the last two years, you know? So uh, that means you cannot have any legs. Like, did this person have any legs within the last two years? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You cannot have no more than one times 30 in the last two years. Or you cannot, so that's hard at some point not to have a one-time study within the last two years. That's mm-hmm. on a refer basis, right? You have to have none. Um, a one-time study, what's that? One-time study means you could not be late, no more than 30 days late, oh, one okay. time, gotcha. on your mortgage installment and your revolving. Yeah. Okay. So that's another thing. We, we And basically, we analyze your credit in more depth when it's a refer. Now, most companies, if you're doing a conventional loan, Danny and Freddie will allow lenders to move forward and approve that loan with the refer. If the AUS don't back that loan up, Danny and Freddie is okay. Gotcha. They would say just underwrite it as a refer. 
But most lenders don't choose to do it that route because Fannie and Freddie is going to lean more on make you more responsible. You right. know what I mean? To even do that loan. So some lenders don't want to take that responsibility um, as a bad bag because um, they have first time um, one uh, first mortgage uh, default where you didn't make your first mortgage payment on time. Fannie right. and Freddie is going to come after you about that. Like, see, you made this decision on a refer. So some lenders don't want to face that. Gotcha. They want to only approve and close loans with an approved eligible. You have some lenders that will do a refer. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that, like Wintrust, we would do a refer not on Fannie and Freddie. We would do a refer on a government loan. Gotcha. Because So like we, FHA. FHA, VA, and USDA. Okay. And the reason why government loans, I, I look at it like this, Fannie and Freddie is more private back loans. Um, FHA, USDA, VA is more government loans. And you banks are really watched when they're doing those loans because they have to make sure you're doing CRA. Every company has to do a CRA branch that's a community uh reinvestment act mm. and then you we also are washed to make sure we're doing fair lending so that means we have to show that we're not only approving women we have right. to show we're not only approving people on the north side or you know or in the suburbs we have to show mm. that we're approving people in the inner city so that's why most lenders would be, okay, let me, we'll allow, allow you all to underwrite as a refer because we want to show our good faith mm -hmm. for the community. Like we're not giving up on them. We, right. if they could qualify with additional documents and for us to dig a little deeper um, in their credit, then we'll close them on. So that's, that lender is showing the government good faith. Right. So that's why most lenders will allow refers on government and not conventional. But some banks, they want to go straight with, you know, conventional, approved, accept. You know, right. they don't want to deal with that, you know, the one they call it the loans in the bucket, you know. Gotcha. So, oh, okay. Okay. yeah, it's so, so stressed out. Let me ask you this. So what recommend what recommendations would you have for somebody who doesn't have very good credit or for people that have student loans? You know, what what would you recommend that they do? Because, you know, if they try to get pre approved, they may only get pre approved for like a hundred thousand, one fifty or something like that. And depending on your market, you're not buying anything. So, you know. I suggest people to do their own research. Google Honestly, this Google nowadays, you really don't need <laughs> answer nobody. any question. <laughs> do yeah. your own research. Um, but in order for you to do your research, you have to know what you're researching, right? right. So if you have in the back of your mind, I have a lot of student loans. This is what's going I hear you can't be a homeowner with a lot of student loans. Look it up and see mortgage companies that um, have student loan programs because there are some out there. You know, you have Ida, they the Illinois Housing Department Authority. They carry they carry they are the high the biggest the company that carries the most grants for the state of Illinois. Um Aren't they doing a program or something like that? They doing a program right now that's called Smart Buy. Smart um, Buy. Um yeah. and that's and when you do your research and say, you know, 
lenders that assist with student loans to purchase mortgages, that will come up. Gotcha. Smart Buy, what they do is they pay off your student loans. They give you the grant money to pay off your student loans so you can't qualify for a mortgage loan. There's guidelines for that, you know. Um, I just give you a quick guideline. If you, they will only pay up to forty thousand dollars. If sure. you owe more than that, you cannot get this program because the whole point of it is all your student loans have to be paid off. So if you owe fifty thousand, they would do it, but you have to pay off that other ten thousand. Yeah, you know uh, what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's that's the kind of hiccup that people run into that don't qualify. So these are people for people that's about to they student loans, they almost about to be paid off. You know, this is a quicker right. way for you to get it done. Mm -hmm. Um and then you have um what is Fanny, you know, the other thing is a lot of people the reason why student loans is hard to do is because most of the time you have student loans, you don't have just one. You have like ten student loans. Right, right. So by the time we add up all your debt, you don't qualify. So even though student loan people, the student loan companies will allow you to go to a, through a deferment, most lenders don't honor that deferment. So we still have to hit you with that student loan payment. Mm -hmm. So if you Google it, if you know that's your situation, that you have a lot of student loans that might affect you from getting qualified, Google or look around and see what lenders is an approved lender with Ida or what lenders uh, look and see which agency will allow you not to be hit for those larger student loan payments because only agency that will allow lenders not to hit you for that full payment is Freddie. Um, I mean, I ain't going to say Freddie. It's conventional. All right. So, you know, I, I feel like a lot of our viewers are, you know, young millennials that, you know, most likely haven't bought before and things like that. So I want to make sure that we just answer a few things for them and really focus on like as a first-time home buyer you know what kind of loans should you be targeting um you know just what, what should you be thinking about for your loan as a, as a first-time home buyer as a first-time home buyer you could um start out with a fha loan okay. or a freddie home possible loan and the reason why i say that is because freddie home possible and fha requires less down payment now, right. if you is a uh, a trust baby, you know you got money to trust. <laughs> whatever, then you can go to right. other routes. But Fanny, Fanny, uh, Freddie, and Freddie only requires three percent down for the home possible, um, but you do have to pay PMI. Um, FHA they require three point five percent. So it like once again, it depends on your situation. Yep. Everyone's situation is different. Right. So me, me in the industry with the experience, I will start off with a government loan because they more lenient on your situation. Because even though home possible, they only requires three percent down, but they are first time home buyer program, and you have to buy those homes within um, a low income area. You know, yeah, so it's a bunch of requirements, on, right? Depending on right. where you yeah. want to go, your situation. But I would just target first with the FHA yep. loans to help you. And if you're a veteran, just getting out, you're still young, first time that, home that buyer, most definitely don't go nowhere else. Stay with VA, VA. because they Ooh. help you out with all your clothes and cars, everything. You don't come to the, you can actually get money back yep. off of VA loans. So they it. are, you don't need any grant funds Man. because they're going to handle everything for you. The credit is just as lenient as FHA. FHA and VA, 
they are back to back and they mirror each other just like Fannie and Freddie mirror each other VA and FHA mirror each other so that's what I would go towards is a government product and then as far as the lender goes you google it and find a lender that is approved to provide different grant uh, grant money to assist you with your closing costs got it and you and you you mentioned PMI so mm-hmm. I want to make sure that we don't let that slip by because a lot of people don't even know that that exists. So can you just talk about, one, what it is, and two, how can you gauge about how much you think it's going to be, you know, if you're looking at a, you know, a property? A PMI is your premium mortgage insurance. Mm-hmm. It's different from your homeowner's insurance. Yep. A PMI is an insurance for the bank. So you know how you have, I simplify it. You know how you have regular car insurance, then gap insurance? That's what PMI is. It's like a gap, a, a different insurance for for everybody. Um, to Just in case you go through foreclosure, house burn up, or whatever the case might be. You know, so that is what that is for. It goes in a bucket. Now, as far as what's the percentage and what your monthly payment would be, it depends on your loan amount. It depends right. on your loan product, the, your loan to value. So you might pay 18% of your balance. So your monthly payment will probably be 100 some dollars that's attached to your mortgage payment, right? right? Then you have your FHA loans. They have, um, uh, they call it the MIP. That's the mortgage insurance premium. Only thing different is FHA, you pay that through the life of your loan, your MIP. Mm-hmm. Um, when you Got go it. conventional, you pay that until your loan to value goes under 80% and then it's automatically right. canceled. Yeah. So that's how you get your mortgage payment down. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And just to kind of, I feel like so many people don't think in terms of down payment versus the loan to value is just a mm-hmm. flip. So essentially what she's saying is when you get your down, when you get your equity above like 20%, mm-hmm. that's when the, the PMI goes away. Right. So below that, so you pay in, you know, anywhere between what, three and a half to up to that 20%. You're paying that extra one right. hundred or two hundred dollars a month as security for the bank because your your loan value is so high. So exactly, so it's, it's basically a security just in case something happened. The other thing is if you go in the loan and put a whole twenty percent down, then you don't have exactly to you don't have to PMI versus FHA. Right. You could put fifty percent down. You still, still going pay to that. pay the MIP. Got so it. it's it's all about the security of it. Uh, government they back up their mortgages Fannie and freddie don't back up their mortgages right, so right. it's just all about your situation Got but it. i will start off with government or home possible through f through freddie and also with a lender that carries all the that's approved lender for all the grants like when trust mortgage i'm not really just i am putting it out there <laughs> they, they are approved to do every grant program right. within illinois that people was not aware of. We got the Cook County grant, the Chicago grant, the Ida grant, the uh, Federal Home Loan Savings grant. We carry, we are one of the top approved lenders that is approved to finance and provide all grant funds. Need so all that. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, that thank you, thank good. you. Appreciate That's that super for all of that great information. <laughs> She's gonna ask our wrap up question and then we're gonna close it out mm-hmm. is what is you know, you've been working in a lot of different industries. You've met a lot of different people. You know, what is your motivation that, you know, keeps you going, wakes you up in the morning? My motivation is God first, then it's my kids. Because I want to be able to learn as much as I can so I can teach them, even though they 
don't listen. I, don't, I was about to curse. But it's you okay. know we they know don't one. listen. We know one of them. We already know. I push myself. I push myself so I could push my kids to grow. And I, I feel like God make parents to face mistakes so we can better our kids. And it's Absolutely. up to the kids to listen. So that's why I push myself. That's my motivation is my kids being my family. Um, I want to have something for myself, but I cannot take what I what I encounter. I cannot take it with me when I'm, when I'm dead and gone. Sure. So I want to be able to have that type of stuff and educate my kids and educate my sisters and whoever my surroundings. So when I am dead and gone, they could, you know, get their own. They could, they know how to invest in land. They know how, because it's coming back around. It's a cycle. Absolutely. Go get y'all all kinds of land. Put it, buy it for ten, twenty thousand dollars. Just let the mess sit, you right. know. And when a builder want to build on it, they gonna give you like two hundred thousand right. dollars to build right. on it. So right. I just want to learn as much as I can so I can pass it on to my kids. Right. Okay, love it. love it. That sounds great. Well, thank you again. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. No problem. We so really do. I'm about to go. Yeah, Don't y'all call yeah. me no more. We definitely gonna be calling you. We definitely gonna be calling you. But I think you all, when y'all do y'all, I would give you guys the links to where you all could go if y'all want to post them. Um, how people could go through item and see what kind of programs Definitely. they have. And they also, on their website, they have the list of lenders that's approved with them. Um, also, I could provide the different guidelines system, the links, if people want to question, like, would I qualify for FHA, cool. VA, or whatever the case might be. So just let me know, and I'll provide the links to you all. But most definitely with Ida. I think you guys need to put that out there because a lot of people yeah. don't even know all this money Chicago has. They yeah. have it. I need that money too. Absolutely. I know, Absolutely. I know you do. All, <laughs> all right. Well, we okay. appreciate you again. We're going to uh, close this episode out. Well, thank right. you guys. Peace.